Hey everyone, welcome back for another episode of the National Fire Radio Podcast. Before we get started with today's episode, I just want to take a few minutes and talk about a few different things that matter. Things like thank you. Thank you to our community if you're a longtime listener or just your first or second time here on the audio platform listening to the daily podcast. We appreciate your support, becoming part of the community, and making this job better. And so with that, if you have any thoughts, ideas, critiques, people you think should be on the show or topics or ideas that you want to send forth, your direct line to the show is through our new email, podcast at nationalfireradio.com. Send us your thoughts, ideas, people you think would be good for the show, anything that's on your mind, send it over to podcast at nationalfireradio.com. That's your direct line right to the show. On top of that, if you feel inclined, please leave a review. Give us a five-star review. That would be fantastic, and we'd greatly appreciate it. We're working hard to gain your trust and to build a community, so any support that you can give us back only betters the mission. So we appreciate that. Like, subscribe, and share, and share this with your friends and talk about it because it makes the job better. Lastly, I need to mention... We want to talk about the National Fire Radio website, www.nationalfireradio.com. That is where you can get your merchandise that supports the show and the mission and the platform of National Fire Radio. Well, enough about all that. Let's hop into the daily episode. So thanks for tuning in. See you at the next one. Now, the daily episode. Our first sponsor of the podcast, Taylor's Tins. Taylor and her crew have been manufacturing helmet fronts, aluminum helmet fronts, Since 2017, over 200,000-plus shields have been manufactured by Taylor and his crew. Custom helmet fronts shipped within 24 to 48 hours. Whether it's one piece to a 500-piece department order, they'll get them out under two days. They're doing incredible work, 100% customizable product. Their product is top shelf. Not only are they doing aluminum helmet fronts, they're doing gas cards, playing cards, keychains, medical cards, and charts. Pump charts, street signs, custom signs, banquet awards, you name it, they're doing it. Go to taylorstins.com. And if you do order, use this promo code NFR sent me, all one word, NFR sent me. You'll get 15% off at checkout. That's because we have a strong relationship and friendship with Taylor from Taylor's Tins. They've been a longtime supporter of the National Fire Radio platform, and I appreciate their support and friendship. Without further ado, the daily episode hey everybody jeremy national fire radio back on the podcast today today's gonna be a fun one a gentleman i don't know much about we crossed paths several years ago during a training uh, evolution and conference down in thibodeau louisiana bob foss bob thanks for joining me buddy hey thanks for having me so real quick before we hop into some storytelling and uh you know solving all the world's problems today little background, 32 years in the American Fire Service, 21 years with Montgomery County, Maryland, currently serving as a captain in the Gaithersburg uh, Station number 28, Maryland Task Force One, hazmat officer. You are the vice president for the International of Fools, the Fraternal Order of Leatherhead Society, and you are teaching for on-scene training, which Aaron Heller and his crew um, and Bart Simpson, they are just uh, friends of ours as well. And I know you're mixed up with them and you travel with them getting back from just the training weekend, I think, just this past weekend, no? Yeah, we just uh, just got on my way back. I'm actually uh, at Mom's house in Raleigh, North Carolina, but we oh, were wow. down in Charleston. 
Wow. So talk yeah. about, talk to me a little bit about this weekend because this weekend I know is important for all of you. Um, it was a memory of a brother, right? Uh, and, yep. and friend and, and comrade of yours that you guys do this annual training weekend. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. So EJ Mascaro was actually killed in a uh, tragically in an accident, car accident on January 19th in 2017. Uh, EJ was an army vet. He did two and a half tours in Iraq. Uh, was a recipient of the Purple Heart, a Bronze Star, a presidential wow. citation. And he was also a firefighter with Charleston uh, Fire Department. After that accident, uh, the local chapter of the Charleston Metro Fools put together an annual training weekend. Nice. Uh, so this is the fourth year for us and uh, third year for me going down. It was a real good weekend. We had uh, It was an open enrollment, so they had 85 students uh, from all over the place. We got guys from Jersey, nice. had guys from Florida and everything else come down for the training. I actually had a couple guys from New England come down as well. Very cool. Um, well, I know through you know your training group and yourself and, and the other guys that are affiliated with it, I know EJ was very important to all of you, um, and I've captured a lot of stories about him over the years just uh, over a couple cocktails or just in conversation with some guys and, and understanding his backstory, but I did not know about his service and how decorated he was. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, actually, if, you, uh, if you're out there looking at the, uh, the books and, and you do much reading, uh, the book they fought for each other was actually based on EJ's uh, platoon uh, and their and their service and the, a couple of the battles that they were involved with. They're probably one of the harder hits uh, battles, uh, harder hit units in the army uh, during the Afghan Iraqi uh, conflict. Oh, cool. Okay, I did not know that. I just wrote that down. So, Bob, thank you. That's that's good. I'll certainly check that out. I appreciate that. What is what is getting together with guys that in memory of a friend and brother? What is a weekend like this past weekend? What does that do for you? Uh, it gives us a chance to uh, revitalize, right? You know, it's good to see people again. Uh, guys, we teach with from all over the country, students from all over the country, uh, come in. Um, a lot of them didn't even know EJ, right? You know, yeah. EJ's been gone for several years now, but but understand the importance that he had on that Charleston metro region as well as the uh, on-scene training. Uh, EJ, EJ was one of our instructors. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the guys will tell you stories that that he he had so much passion and drive for the fire service that it was that it was contagious. Yeah. And uh, everybody liked to be around him. He you know he was the practical joker, but when it came to learning and, and training. He didn't joke around. He took it extremely seriously, and that's important. Um, and you know this. You've been around it long enough that, that the training is really, really important, and we need to need to keep ourselves out ahead of, of the fire service of today and the fire service of tomorrow because oh, um, it's ever-changing. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I know, you know, from what I do know of EJ, he was the, like you said, the practical joker, right? But when it was business, it was business. And he dove head first all the time from what I heard. And he was always the first guy up to to lend a hand or to, uh, to be a part of it. For you, right, the memory of keeping our brothers alive, you know, and, um, you know, their memories alive, if you will. Um, super powerful. We talk a lot in the fire service about never forgetting, but putting together a conference and being dedicated to that year after year takes commitment. And I, I think that that's something that we need to explore further and we need to talk about. And for you with 32 years in the fire service, you know, I know that you've come from that older school of understanding the importance of that brotherhood and remembering our own. Talk to me a little bit about that and just, you know, the importance of, you know, putting on a, a, a project and a function, a training weekend that recognizes you know, an individual and his love for the job. Yeah. Well, so Charleston Metro, again, knocked it out of the park. And, and 
what it is, it's, it's important to remember uh, the, the people who who had a strong or huge influence on the fire service. You know, it is ever changing. And, uh, you know, we as firefighters are changing. We're moving farther away from where we work. So, you know, there's not a lot of time that we get to spend with each other outside of the walls of the firehouse. So the, the, the commitment that Charleston Metro has put forth and, and the number of the guys from from on scene, like we talked about, Aaron yeah, Heller and, sure. and Bart Simpson and, um, you know, guys like Chris Losey and Jenny Grimma sure. and, you know, Kyle Foley, all coming into town to remember them because we all have EJ stories. Right. right. And, and I think that's what kind of ties everybody together in this group. And from this weekend is we all have that that history together with EJ and, and knew how infectious his love for the job was on us. That's cool. You know, so it's important to share that and, and push that forward to other people. I love that. And so on your way home, you stop at mom's, you're doing this podcast today with me, spend a little time there, and then you're headed back to the job, right? Headed back home and then to the yep. firehouse. A weekend like this away with the camaraderie, the brotherhood, the sisterhood of these great people that share similar passions about the job and the storytelling of a, of a guy that you all admired and loved. When you get back to the firehouse, like, are you ready to go? Yeah. Yeah, no, I am. And we kind of get to jump right back into it on Thursday. We have hazmat training that I'll be running for the for the uh, four stations or, or that'll show up to hazmat training on Thursday. So um, but again, I think it's that passion that that really and compassion that I think drives a lot of us. You know, your your officers, your good leaders, your people who show up to training like this kind of represent that, you know, and I think that's important to know that there is more than the, you know, you're just 24, 48 hour shift. It's yeah. a lot of that stuff that you do on the outside that really defines you and, and your ability to, to influence the fire service. Yeah. And so talking about the fire service, then I want to dive a little bit into you and your background and, and your passions, because I know that not only do you enjoy going to fires, but you're also a technical guy. I mean, you're part, you're a member of the uh, Maryland task force one, I know you're the hazmat officer, so you're doing a lot of hazardous material response uh, operations and guides and things like that. So break that down a little bit for me. Where did that love for the job come from? Because early on, I have to think you enjoyed the ride in the back step. And then how did you find your way into the specialized services? So before I got hired in Montgomery County, so a little backstory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started in, in Schoolies Mountain, New Jersey in <laughs> 1991. Yellow doors, red trucks. Am I wrong? hundred percent correct. I know. Listen, man, that's one department that stands out to me because of the apparatus color, just because yep. I'm an apparatus nerd. So go ahead, man. I had no yes. idea. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So Pete Greasy is one of the first guys I met. Pete Greasy actually still works for Jersey City. Okay. And and he was a, a friend of mine and kind of a, a role model or an influence on me in, in my days in Schoolies Mountain. Uh, there was also a gentleman by the name of Jerry Warback, and Jerry was a Newark fireman. I know that name, time, sure. I kind of was wowed by that, you know, and, and man, I would really like to do this. So that was 91. Then I rolled off. I went to college at Franklin Beards College in Ringe, New Hampshire. Okay. Um, they were only one of the few student run fire departments in the country. We bought our own equipment. We bought our own gear. Wow. Um, and, and we responded to incidents on campus. Well, Franklin Pierce College is in Ringe. And we, we also had some, did some mutual aid with Ringe Fire Department, which I also became a member of. And Got to meet up with some people, again, who were very influential to me and, and, and really gave me a lot of direction and guidance and, and support in the fire service. Um, both Bob LaPointe and Alan Bell uh, both have passed away over the years. Scott Ellis, Steve Robley, 
uh, and two ladies that I kind of considered my mom outside of away from home. <laughs> yeah, you're nice. Uh, was Dale Norbley and Dave uh, Deb Douglas, and, yeah. and they took care of me, looked out for me, you know. And again, the college kid, you know how that works out. Um, just wanted to make sure they I stayed on the right path, and they they stayed beside me. And I, they're still good uh, friends of mine that I reach out to today. I love that. Yeah. So. And then, um, yeah, go ahead. Go. Sorry. So nope. we got involved with Speedway Safety Services out of Claremont, New Hampshire. Um, worked with those guys, and again. I was a huge NASCAR fan. I've always been a NASCAR fan and worked at the uh, New Hampshire International Speedway, both when Adam Petty and Kenny Irwin were killed in the accident. Oh, no kidding. Up in 2000. Wow. Okay. And, and scary as it is, I was down in Daytona 500 when Dale Sr. got killed. So, oh, my gosh. The, um, which was crazy. Again, very influential to me in the fire service, you know, because I was were part of the crews on, on Pitt Road for New Hampshire International. So again, a little technical rescue, the auto extrication component of it and stuff like that. That's, um, that's really fat. I'm fascinated by that. So yeah. can we talk about that for a little minute? Of course. Like yeah, yeah. how did you find your way just from being up there in, in the fire department you were in and then you found your way to the, to the speedway being a race fan. And then you found your way yep. to being able to be on what, what do they call the, the rescue crews that are, that are there? They have a title. What are they called? Um, it, it, they're, they're, they're truck assignments basically. Okay. So I was actually on pit road. I didn't ride the truck on either of those incidents. Right. Um, but they got response crews. If you know Andy Byron, or they call him Sippy. Yeah. Andy Andy worked again. He's a New England guy, actually out of uh, Manchester. Uh, fire just recently retired from there, and he um, he did a lot with those guys, and actually for, did for a number of years, even just until, or if not recently, or still does currently. But um, awesome. What you know, is, gave what me is... a chance to meet the guys. I have a picture of me and Dale Senior and Rusty Wallace standing together against Dale Senior's car. Oh, that's cool. That's so. cool. I mean, that's just such a unique perspective. But then also, you know, being called upon, like if you're being called upon in, in that environment, right, to go perform, I mean, the the shit has hit the fan, right? Like, yeah. you know, and yeah. so you're expected to perform uh, at, at a moment's notice there. That's pretty wild. I mean, it, yeah. you, you had have had some interesting stories there along the lines too then. Definitely. Just meeting guys, you know, the, the Bill Elliott's that will sit on the wall and talk to you like your best friends and friends for years. You know, it just it's just a lot of them. Again, I was a huge Rusty Wallace fan and um, just being able to talk to these guys and, and, and meet with guys. The Hans device that came up after um, senior died in the car accident and the accident at Daytona. What's the, the what's the so educate me a little bit. What's the Hans device? Because I'm not a big race guy. So basically, that's a, a device that they use to secure them in the seat, their head. Oh, um, okay. Component of it, where they're clipped into this device, and it just prevents that whiplash effect when they, when they, you know, that sudden impact or yeah. that sudden stop from an impact. Got it. Um, Got it. Interesting. Yeah, the safer barriers were the, the the cushioned barriers again. The walls when they hit the wall, kind of some you know some give in that wall rather than that hard concrete or jersey barrier that they were constructed of previous. Wow. So how how long did you do that for? Because you said you were down in Florida. Were you there in that capacity in Florida, or were you down no, there for just, just as a uh, as a, uh, a race fan. fan? Okay. I went down as a race fan. It was one of those things that I always wanted to do is you hit the Daytona 500. But I did that a couple of years. You guys got that secret handshake where you can get into like pit row because you know the 
the rescue guys there? You got a secret handshake that'll get you in the no, door? No, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm an old guy now. So. Don't age yourself. Come on. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. I mean, that's a unique discipline for sure. I know one or two other guys that were involved in that too. Um, yeah. And I'd, I'd love to capture some more stories on that. But let's let's progress forward. And so that's what did a lot of your like technical rescue stuff maybe come from those days of like extrication training and things like that? Yeah, because it's different. Yeah. Right? You know, you go through the basic, and I hate to say it that way, the basic fire one, fire two, stuff like that. Now you get into a little bit more technical, you know, and, and continuing or growing your education. Right. So yeah. so the next left is a step really is that is that technical rescue step. Um, so shortly after that, I got married to a college girlfriend. I got divorced and then I moved down to Maryland. And I was going to be coming a live in at one of the fire stations, station five in Kensington. And I met the crew on the engine, engine five, one that day, they just came back from a call. And I can remember the three guys that were on the engine that day. Uh, Kelvin Mumford was the driver. They had Matt Kalons as the firefighter and Alan Kaiser. And they, they, I was there. I had my bags packed or my vehicle packed and bags in a, in a trailer. And they're like, dude, what are you doing here? I was 29 years old at the time. Yeah. I was going to live in a fire station and they kind of, they kind of pushed me off up the road to station 21 where actually where I was living. Um, better, better living conditions, older people there, that type of thing. And then they had a live in program at the time. Um, but I got to respond to the Pentagon on nine 11 wow. on, on an EMS unit with, uh, Tammy Milovec and Megan Treber was the paramedic. So we responded down there. We, uh, we wound up running a bunch of calls in the area, not necessarily at the Pentagon, but right. um, then went home that night and it came back on engine five, one, the following day to the Pentagon. And uh, just, they just worked us in with the group uh, to get involved with that. So again, just think of the technical realm there and Maryland task force one uh, incidentally actually responded to that, obviously as yeah, the right. most local uh, Maryland uh, urban search and rescue team. Yeah. So were you, so, you were there in a volunteer capacity at that point, right? Or were you hired yeah, by yep. Okay. I was a volunteer. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I got hired shortly after. I was okay. hired in February of 2002, RC-41. Um, sorry, RC-21, my apology. Yep. Um, and it was we were the first recruit class after September 11th. Okay. Um, wow. So got in after that. But again, just met the right people at the right time when did, I was there. Did that time frame for you, I mean, I remember what how important, impressionable it was for me and you being able to witness and operate at the Pentagon. I mean, I, you know, I had the, the world trade center, the towers were, you know, literally in our backyard and and we were directly impacted by that too. Um, for you, how impactful that was for you as a volunteer at the time, only to be hired just, you know, five months later, if you will, uh, to go career in Montgomery County. What was, what was that time frame like for you? Was that, did, did the job mean more, then than ever because of because of the the patriotism the the sacrifice the importance of the job that we do like was was it more i don't know what was it more impressionable on you because of that definitely uh, not only the fire service but but the civilians humanity and the recognition of the fire service and emergency responders and i can and i tell a story and i tell you i, I it's one of those things that I'll go to my grave with. Is yeah. I remember going to the food store, food shopping to, to make dinner that night at the firehouse or shortly after. And a little kid came up and, and gave me a big hug and, and said, my mom, my mom told me to hug a fireman today or a wow. firefighter today. Yeah. Right. And, and wow. 
you know, even even for a kid, and maybe the kid didn't necessarily uh, understand or know, you know, the, the the effects of that, but but had a huge impact. Yeah. And again, I take talk took that forward, you know, and I make sure I make time. If we run a call, emergency call at work, and I have time to get out where my guys are taking care of a patient, I'm going to put the kids in the front seat of the fire engine. Yeah, so important. Right? Yeah. That is huge. And some of the areas we run into or work with are not the best of areas, but something like that, that little bit of time where they can look at the computers and and push the horn or the siren or look at our fire gear truly has a huge impact, I believe. You You could potentially change a kid's life by introducing them to the fire truck at, at a very young age, whether it's 90 seconds of your day to let a yeah. kid hop in the front seat, to pull the air horn string, to, to let them run around or climb up in the hose bed. What you might potentially do is set that kid on a path that he never forgets the importance of that day because he doesn't have anything else. And you might make such a difference. Bob, I can't, I, I can't agree with you more on that, man. I know so many stories where a, a brief interaction like that set the kid in, in motion to just be successful in life because yeah. of that one interaction. And it's important, especially yeah. today, right? Things are, things are hectic every day now for people, and we don't know what people are going through. That's and- right. You know, that, that, like you said, man, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And you know, I don't even it, think it's, you know, the, the affluence of a community, Matt, you know, it, it, it sets, it makes things a little bit different, right, in the abilities. Yeah. But I, I think sharing the message of who we are and what we do, and I think the reason why I asked you about 9-11 and, and, that, and that time in your career and then becoming career there, because I know how impactful it was for me and to be directly involved with September 11th right here in New Jersey, right outside of New York City, and seeing the impact and, and so on, and seeing humanity and the the love for America and the patriotism that came out of it, all of it, right? But at the end of the day, like, we still live that every day in the firehouse, or we should be. We should be yeah. proud of the country we live in. We should be proud yeah. of the fire company we were a member of or the department we're a member of, and we want to share that with the community because whether it's an affluent community or the poorest community, it makes a difference. People look at firefighters differently than they look at anyone else. Sure. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I agree, Bob. Hundred percent. Yeah. So your rookie class, right after nine eleven, I have to think that uh, the the impact of that um, just all in, right? I mean, that whole class is just all in. Yeah, uh, and I'll tell you, I have a story of a guy from my recruit class was in his fifties, and, and he his story was he watched a plane hit the Pentagon on nine eleven and decided <laughs> that moment that he is done watching life outside the window. So wow. he went and he got hired by Montgomery County. He made it to the last week of recruit school and he wound up hurting his shoulder and they were going to recycle him. And, and, and that was, that's a lot of work. We, we do a 26 week training Academy in Montgomery County. Yeah. And, and he just, he, he couldn't commit to that. You know, he said, Hey, it's something I wanted to try. He, and he made it, he made it through all the hard work, um, but decided that, that being recycled or put back to the next class, RC 22, wasn't going to be the, the calling for him. Yeah. Um, but just that alone, you know, he physically saw that and, and decided that at that time, you know what, it's time to make a change. And I think that changed a lot of the face of the fire service for all of us. I think um, so. Because it can happen again. It's not if, it's when, you know, and 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 that, that, that vigilance of being ready and being prepared and training, which is huge, uh, to train for that. 
you know, and, and, and be ready when it does happen. Is that what, is that what then pushed you to do more? I mean, many guys can go through their probate class and then come up through the firehouse and be happy on the back step or they promote to an officer spot, but they don't pursue any further training. I mean, you've pursued a ridiculous amount of training outside of your probate class because I mean, you're on the, you're on the task force. I mean, that that's a feat in and of itself. Yeah. So, and that, a lot of that came and I got a story about Tom Carr. Chief Tom Carr was my fire chief at the time. In August of 07, I broke my, my back in a car accident. Oh, wow. Um, I was just outside of Raleigh. I was going actually subsequently was going to visit my mom. And um, he called me in the hospital, Jeremy. He's like, hey, how do I get you home? I'm like, chief, I, I can't drive. I got to be laying down on my back. Um, he says, I got you. I'll take care of you, Bobby. So he wound up sending a medic unit from my station in Montgomery County. Uh, with three people from my crew, it was Aaron Worth, uh, Dominic DiPietro, and Aaron Baginski. They drove down, picked me up in an ambulance, and drove me home. Wow. Huge. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That is huge, especially on somebody young. Again, I was a couple of years in the department, only five years at the time. Yeah. But that's huge. You know? Wow. And that they're bought into you, right? You, you bought into, you bought into your department in the belief that they're going to take care of you when you need to be taken care of. And to have a, to have a boss like that follow through and put, you know, put actions to paper and then to pavement to get you home. Right. That speaks volumes because I wonder how many departments today are going to go above and beyond for their people. Right. I agree. But again, that's that huge impact on my fire service career for me. Buy it. You know, and I think his actions then really have molded me into the fire officer that I think I am today. You know, and and we know the quote. We've heard the quote uh, by Theodore Roosevelt. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. Right. That that is 100 percent true. Yeah. Do you find so? What I, what I like about this and where I want to take this, then I want to ask you a question. If, if sure. you, you're raised on the old school belief in the buy in, right? You buy in your the department buys into you. They show you what they can do for you. You buy back in and now you make the department better. Right. So you said you like to believe that that's how you operate today as a boss. Do you yeah. find it's becoming more difficult to be more a, a boss? of an older school generation, meaning that um, it doesn't always today seems to be much more black and white back then was a little more gray. Um, And how do you manage the gray today? Uh, I I think one of the things I do, and I'll tell you a story. Yeah, I I have found, and what I do is I have a calendar. So when I got hired, I got the promotion to captain. I got some personal information from the guys and gals on the shift. I, I got their address. I got their you know, spouse's name, their kids' names, and their date of births and anniversary or significant dates. Jeremy, I, I handwrite or sign a card and mail home birthday cards, anniversary cards, stuff like that to the guys and, and gals and their and their families. Again, wow. yeah, just because yeah. there's that that impact, right? We spend a third of our lives together. Right? Absolutely. We're gonna have good times together. We're gonna have bad times together. I've got three people on my shift that are expecting May, June, and July. I have they're having having kids. So, so it's a family, you know, and, and it needs to stay that way, you know, to keep that. We just had a Christmas party, obviously Christmas season where the the spouses came out. We get to spend time with the spouses uh, of the shift mates, you know, and that's huge. I I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, that's the buy-in that you need. I mean, because how can, how are you going to stick your neck out for somebody else if you don't know what's on the line? 
right? Like, right. you know, you yeah. need to know who their who their wife or husband is. You need to know their children. You need to know if their children have anything going on that's worthy of knowing about, meaning, you know, a medical condition or something like these are these are all things that require but Bob, what it takes is the willingness to do that, but also committing yourself to doing it. Right? Like it, it has to be a hundred percent. You can't do something like that half ass. Like you have to have buy in, right? Your chief bought into you. You bought into your chief because he sent an ambulance for you to get you home. Right? Yep. He gave he showed you what the department was willing to do for you because you were willing to do anything for the department. And now you're doing that for your people and doing the same buy in. That's powerful. Yeah. Yep. And, and I'll tell you, my family support is huge. My home family, right? My wife, we got married on November 26th of 2005. My wife, Heather, uh, she had two kids uh, when we got together. Yeah. Mac and Kristen were my oldest two. Um, and then we had two together, uh, Anna and Bobby. Mm-hmm. Anna we, uh, was born in, uh, on the uh, October 21st in 2006 and Bobby on Halloween of 2008. Um extremely supportive you know as much as i get out and travel and, they, and but they understand and recognize my, my passion and love for the fire department yeah. you know they love coming down the fire station i put them up on the fire engines and the ladder truck and bobby actually ran his first call with me a couple months back That's they awesome. came to visit the station we ran a call and i had my my, my son on the fire engine with me yeah. you know and yeah. That's huge. You know, I, I look forward to the day that cuz he has a desire eventually to go that way out and I look forward to the day that we can run a call together. You know? Yeah, and and that um, again just goes to that conversation, whether it's your own family or a stranger, like giving opening the fire service up to them. But I I think that like I I often think about the exposure of our own families to the fire service and how important it is to educate our children and our spouses about what we do there. And have real conversations with them about the time commitment, the passion, the love for it. But allow them to see that. Like, my kids know my buy-in. They know what it means to me. And they know that I'm a better person because of it. And if they were to pull that away from me, I wouldn't be good at home if I'm not good in my own life, right? So, No, I I agree. Yeah. And and, and I had, Jeremy, I had trouble with that for a while. A lot Uh, of us do. Absolutely. Talk about, I mean, not talk about that, but yeah, like that, that is something that if you recognize that, you know, and then how do you, how did you change that though, Bob? Well, so the big thing was I was, I was diagnosed PTSD post 9-11. Oh, okay. Um, and I met with a counselor and I'll be honest with Jeremy, the best thing I ever could do and sat down with him, and he and I were, he was a uh, retired military, so kind of in the, the same-ish ball of wax, right? Kind of understood each other. But the big thing that he put out to me was that I am not the lieutenant at home. Yeah. Right? And that's huge. You know, it's it's almost easier at times to run the firehouse than it is to run our house. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, two yeah. different individuals. I'm going to say two different dudes. When I go home, I, I'm a different person, and you have to be a different person. And, and that kind of woke me up and made me realize, because there were some tough times. I mean, there really was with with my stepson and stepdaughter. And now that I have my grandson living at home, my youngest daughter, Anna, had a, had a son, my grandson, Waylon. Yeah. I'm seeing, Jeremy, the things that I missed. Yeah. Right? And, and dude, I love being around that little boy. Yeah. He is He's amazing. He makes me laugh. He makes me smile. Um, just because he's learning and touching and growing, but it's, I think it's important for people to understand and realize that, that there has to be that separation from the firehouse to the house. Yep. 
um, and, and being able to leave it. So fortunately for me, it's like an hour ride home. So you have that chance to do whatever you need to do, listen to the radio or listen to podcasts or blog talks or or whatever it might be to kind of decompress so you're ready for the family when you take that step over the threshold into the house. Um, really important. And I, I think so much so that I we need to do like an episode just on this topic alone, you know, for people listening, because I think that, Bob, you're 100% right. I mean, 32 years in the fire service, 21 with Montgomery County, you've had time to figure some of this out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you but, to become that old guy, Jeremy, helps. Yeah. Right? Because but, then you get to step back and look at the things and learn, uh, learn from the hard way. What, right? is, what does that feel for you? How does that feel, being the old guy? I don't mean that in a bad way, but I mean that, like, you have the seniority now in place, right? And that you yeah. have at least one, if not two, generations behind you now coming up through the fire service that you are responsible for making an impact on. Have yeah, you ever I, – I, go ahead. I, I think that's huge, right? Succession planning. You and I are going to go away at some point, buddy. Yeah, right? I don't know. And we're going to need to pass it on and make sure the fire service functions tomorrow. Um, I think that's important. And I think we, as either influencers or officers or leaders within our organizations and really any organization, are, are mind, you know, mending the minds of tomorrow because it's different. You know, and my oldest daughter and I've had conversations. She never wrote, you know, a written report for high school. Right. And that baffled me. Yeah. You know, the, the education system and the training system and, and stuff like that, it's changed so much that that. Uh, I'd like to say back when we were younger, a lot of this stuff, I think, made us who we're, we were, we are today and where we are today. Um, but we could still influence that. We influence that on our kids, influence that in the fire station. And you get, like I said, we talked about earlier, influencing people on the call, the emergency calls that we run and our interaction out in public. We go to the food store to the to, to food shop. We have a means of impacting people and affecting good change. You know, it's a word that just popped into my head. I'm actually writing it down. Um, I haven't mentioned, I haven't, I haven't, I, I think a lot. Like when I get done with podcasts, you know, today we're doing, a, I'm doing a couple episodes. And when I get done, I kind of decompress a little bit. I write a few more notes in my notebook and so on on it. And I just wrote down a word, um, deliberate. You know, like everything you and I have talked about for the last 30 minutes now on this podcast is deliberate. Whether yeah. it's whether it's through, you know, um, experiences prior that have made you who you are today, learning lessons, whether we did it wrong the first time and now now we understand and have better ideas. So now we do it correctly. This go around. Right. Whether it's a home thing, a firehouse thing, a operational thing. Right. All these different things. But we have to be deliberate in what we're doing. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I'm going to explore that. I'm sorry. I don't mean to side. Like I felt like no. I, I just side railed you, but I, I just, I, I think that word I've never really talked about before on any of my podcasts or any of the content that I do and deliberate matters. We have to be deliberate in our delivery because if you're deliberate, you're consistent, right? If you, if you put your people first, like you're talking about as a boss and as if you promote your people and you, you're there to build that next generation, like I asked you about, you have to do that deliberately because you have to be sure that the message you're giving them is constant and correct, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and informed and educated. Yes. Yeah. Right? Informed and educated. Perfect. Yes. You know? Follow up. Yeah. 
And I think that, and then across the board, you know, I'm back in college now at 50 years old, I'm back in college for my master's degree in business administration. Oh, good for you. Congratulations. Keep on, thank you. You're not going to be, you keep on learning. You're not going to be handwriting any papers. <laughs> no, no, everything's on the computer. It's, 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 yep. Not even my textbooks, buddy. That's I don't right. Even get a, a hard textbook. That's what I'm saying, man. It's crazy. Right? Yeah, absolutely. That's 50 years old, back in school for your master's. Good for you. I think that education, I've never valued education more than I do today. I think I took my education for granted growing up. I went four-year degree. I have a bachelor's degree. And I took it for granted every step of the way. And if my life ever allowed me to go back, I know that I would be like a straight A student instead of a, you know, a 2.2 major. And uh, and I think I would do very well because I, I've put value on education more than I ever have today. That's and, great, and, Bob. And I could vouch for that right now. Yeah. Uh, I'm no different than that. I'm running a 4.0 after awesome. my fourth class. And I didn't do that in high school, buddy. I didn't yeah, do I was that same in way. college. I was the same way. Through, right? Yeah. There were way more important things in, in high school and college than high school and college at the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But now that you're right, you know, and again, it's, it's, it's a deliberate act, right? It's, it's, it's planning for tomorrow, you know, whether it be for the fire service for me or options outside of the fire service, you know, and we, we have to be prepared. Right. And, I, and we pre that's a great conversation too. Right. Because part of, part of mentoring our next guys coming up below us, right? The generation, generation after them. Part of mentoring that is educating them that there's life outside of this too, and that yeah, they need to be prepared for that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, we, we we don't we don't we don't necessarily control our destiny, buddy. We we don't know, you know. And you have to have options. You have to have contingencies, and and that's important. Yeah. Um. And a lot of that, honestly, I think came from my grandfather. My grandfather, um. Passed away on October 29th of 2010, and he was a fireman in a plant back in, that he uh, that he worked for back in the days. Hyatt, I believe, if I recall correctly. Okay. And I actually wear his patch on my on my denim coat today. Oh, that's cool. Um, that's how much. But but he was he was in the military. It was World War II. He actually uh, flew in the spy planes, the one with the big antenna on the roof, the the spinning prop on there. Yeah, and right. He was he was my hugest fan growing up. You know he. He would hit me up and smoke. What do you got? What'd you run today? And, you know, so, so I can't, I can't not say that he's not looking down and, and he's excited and proud, you know, that, so I'm happy that I did him well, you know, so. Yeah. What's I the think name smoke, well. by the way? What was that? I don't know. That's just something he came up with, you know, and, For and you. kind of stuck around and, you know. Do you use it elsewhere or was that just no. something he called you? That was just something grandpa called I love me. So that, that was man. kind of a him and I thing. And Yeah, that's cool. But he loved the stories, you know, hey, yeah. what did you guys run today? How was the shift? What did you guys do? And and so it was kind of cool to have that, you know, and yeah. he just ate it up, you know. Yeah, for sure. So. Ah, that's good, man. Well, listen, a solid foundation lets you lets you grow your wings when you mature and when we get older, right? And, like, you know, I'm a firm believer that the, the foundation in which we leave, you know, people can build upon it, but it has to be solid because if it's not a solid – if your kids or your probies don't come from a solid foundation, they're building on shaky ground, and that thing's going to crumble, and it's only a matter yeah. of time. I believe yeah, and I think a lot of this stu stuff, Jeremy, a lot of this stuff I think is what led me to the fools. Yeah, right? let's talk about and, that. And yeah. Because of that whole brotherhood, sisterhood, you know, honor, tradition, duty, service, pride, accountability, all that stuff that, that, that we, we like to talk about. The fools lives that, you know, and promotes that. And, and, you know, that that's the ethos behind the organization. And that's huge. 
You know, again, that that's the old, old guy fire service. I think that's before you and me, right? Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And, and it's important to maintain that. So you know? talk to me a little bit about the Fools then. That's what attracted you there, right, is the belief that you found an organization that fairly and accurately represents what you're feeling, right? I mean, is yeah. that is that what all those words that you listed, where do those words come from? Educate me a little bit. Well, so a lot of some of those are, are the, the like I said, the, the, the beliefs are behind the, the Fools. Right. Um, and you hear a lot of the acronyms, you know, uh, FTM, PDB, For the Men, Protect the Brothers, right. Keep the Faith, uh, Do the Right Thing, Everybody mm-hmm. Goes Home. A lot of that stuff is, is stuff that that the fire service, I call them the foundation of the fire service, right? That's what the fire service was built upon. And unfortunately, over the years, some of that stuff, not necessarily what what some believe, you know, so... I think the fools gives the ability of like-minded men and women from all over the country, all over the world, a matter of fact, to get together and share that passion and drive of the fire service, the love of the fire service. So I um, remember, do you know when the fools were founded? Do you remember like the, the year by any chance? Just, I'm not putting you on the spot. I'm just curious. No, 19 and I might be off a little bit. 86 ish. Okay. So it was that, um, that was that long ago. Okay. So my question then is, like, I remember as a younger kid in the fire service, the Fools, like, popped up in our area, right, in New Jersey, and it was, like, the New Jersey Fools, and, and all this. Now there's, I think there's two chapters in New Jersey, the New Jersey Fools and then the, the Garden State, what I think. Um, yeah. Or there might the be actual, more. There's, yeah, there's a couple what more. Exit. That, yeah, what the what exit. exit. Yeah, that's the one. Yep. What exit. Um, and so on. So there, there's a couple different groups here. Um, I'm curious, though, like, not all... <clears throat> I feel like it goes in waves, right? Like you get the popularity of its spikes. Then it seems like it, it kind of just uh, wanes out a little bit. It gets a little flat and then the popularity spikes again. What are you seeing? Like, cause you got so involved that not only were you involved on a local level, but you're now the vice president of the international, which means you're the vice president of the fraternal order of leatherheads across the country. Correct. Yeah. Yep. So real quick, just I wanted to fix myself, and the guys are going to beat me up on this. It was 1995. <laughs> well, that's why I didn't want to put you on the spot because I didn't know yeah. if you knew. So yeah. d- guys, don't bust Bob's chops too much. That's my fault. Yeah. I didn't prep him on that one. So and that's all good, and I should know that one. But again, there's so much other stuff. 95. Going on, but, um, that makes so, sense because that's when I came into the fire service, and yep. shortly after, it was like the hottest thing, man. Yeah. So. When I when I started, I got into Central Maryland Fools. Jay Blake was the uh, the president of the chapter. I'm getting ready to join. He's like, Bob, I hate to tell you this, I'm 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 stepping away. So I kind of took over Central Maryland Fools at that time, and try to build it up in our area. And yeah. the, the the hard thing about Central Maryland was Fools chapter was it covered so much area, okay. right? I think the best thing, the best advice I could do for anybody who's looking at chapters or starting a chapter is keep it consolidated to a, a, an area, a smaller area, yeah. where it's functional and feasible for people to get together. Um, again, from 1995, or, or sorry, when I started in the mid-2000s, obviously thing, technology's changed. And how many, we can do Zoom meetings now, but I'm, I'm one of those guys, I like to sit down with the guys and gals. I get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and physically that FaceTime and then that being close to with one another and kind of, kind of sharing that. So having a big chapter like we did, we really struggled with that a lot um, because it was such a big area that we covered. But the organization and it promotes that, that that everything that, again, you and I've talked about all along today is 
all the important aspects of the fire service and why we're doing what we're doing and remembering those two guys and gals who kind of, you know, laid the path of the fire service for us today. Yes. You know, good and bad. Right. You know, and I think that's important and understanding the, the cool thing is just like, you know, this past weekend, again, full chapters, um, Charleston Metro, but there were a bunch of different guys representing different chapters from across the country there. Yeah. Instructing. And you know, so, so again, it's that, that joint um, experience and knowledge that we, we kind of a like to be around each other and b share with other people. Yeah. You know, FDIC is a great opportunity to get together. Firehouse Expo is a great opportunity to get together again, like-minded people. Yeah. And I think it should be said too, because I, I get this very often. We talk about this a lot that if you're in a department or company that doesn't represent who you think you are and you're looking for more, you have outs, you have a way now more than ever, especially with social media and online presence, you can find organizations and individuals that represent who you are. And I think the fools is one of those organizations that promotes the betterment of the job across the board. And if you're into the job and your fire company or your fire department is not, and we say to go find an organization or find people that share similar thoughts and ideas that you have or, or want to have, go look at the fools. Find right. a chapter that's close to you, inquire, reach out, make an effort, because an organization like the fools will put you in touch with people that absolutely unconditionally love the job. Yeah. And yeah. just this weekend alone, Jeremy, I got two people that approached me while we were down there about starting new chapters. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you hear that a lot, though? Because it's a tremendous undertaking, right? So it's a, it's a tremendous undertaking to, to start a chapter. And what would be your advice if somebody comes to you and says, hey, I want to start a chapter. I'm all fired up. Let's go. So, so my, my biggest recommendation yeah. is to go look at our articles of association. Okay. Right. Basically our bylaws. Yeah. If you would. Right. And it kind of lays the groundwork of what we hang our hat on as the fool's organization, as a chapter. So we ask you, you know, Jeremy, you're looking to start a chapter. Hey, what you need to do is you go through the articles and what you do as a chapter is you would adopt our articles and you can make changes to those articles as you deem fit to meet your chapter. Like, you know, hey, you got a guy who wants to join. OK, one of our members or our, our founding members here of the chapter kind of sponsors that individual. This guy has to come to a certain number of meetings or, or whatnot, right? Training, so forth, so on, to make sure that they're trying to join to not to just to join, right? Yeah, right, right. The membership card isn't getting to get you a coffee at 7-Eleven, buddy, right? It's what you put into the organization that you, is what you're going to get out of it. Um, and that's important. Um, but I recommend they go through the Articles of Association, make sure they understand what the what, what we're about, what we do, what the expectations are, how to how to function or operate. Um, we provide, as in the international e-board, we provide a lot of autonomy to our membership to let them run their organization, their chapter, right? right? And obviously, if something's big, something drastic comes about and they need assistance from the e-board, the international e-board, that's what we're there for. But we want them to, to run their thing. And we want them to do training. So we're a nonprofit 501c3 organization. Right. And the big sell is that we do fundraising and training kind of outside of what you guys do in the in the fire service and the, at the academy, that type of thing. Um, a lot of our fundraising goes to organizations within the fire service, whether it be, um, you know, Terry Farrell Firefighters Fund yep. or, or um, 
uh, Joey DiBernardo group, you yep. know, uh, organization, sure. that type of stuff. Um, Promoting and bettering the job. Yes. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. What does what does it do for you personally? Like for somebody that's listening to this and they're like, oh, I've heard of the fools. I don't know. Like I don't know if I got any extra time. What is the, what's the sales pitch from Bob Foss? Like what what about the fools makes you fall in love with it every single time? you go to an event or you talk to somebody that's affiliated with them. It's guys and gals with the same mindset of me, yeah. right? They, they want to do it. They want to learn. They want to train. They want to get better. They want to share what we're about with everybody, right? That's huge because again, it's changing. You know, the fire service and every, every industry is changing. And if, as long as we keep those people, the backbone of the fire service there, that the people who want to get out there and make themselves better, who want to learn, you know, we're that type A personality. Most of us are that yeah. type A personality, right? We always want to do better. And 99% of the time, we're the ones who are harder on ourselves than other people are because right. we want to be better, right. right? That's huge. And just being able to get around people who who have that passion and drive and desire, um, kind of, it's refreshing, right? It's that breath of fresh air that, hey, you know, these guys get it. These gals get it. You know, you know um, what else I like about it too, Bob, is I'm thinking to myself here, and I just made another note on my notepad real quick, but I'm, I'm certainly an alpha. Most of us are, right? And I'm certainly an alpha. I'm always out front, and I'm always, let's go, let's go. And I think about it, but every once in a while, I get this little devil pop up on my shoulder that says, like, are what you're doing, is it, is it, are you making an impact? Does it matter? Do, do people really buy what you're selling? Like all that shit, right? And then I just wrote down, it says it reinforces our love for the job because you can be absolutely in love with the job. And then every once in a while, you get this feeling like, am I going too far with it? Is, 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 am I too dialed in? Is this too aggressive? And then what, what organizations like the fools does, like when you, when you surround yourself with like-minded people, not only does it make you feel good that you're not alone, but it reinforces the fact that you're allowed to feel that way. And it's okay to be passionate yeah. about it. I love yeah, and, that. And that's huge, mm -hmm. right? Because we do, we all go through that, you know, and of I course. Say I've been through that. It's just wondering like, man, am I driving these guys crazy yeah. with all this stuff? Yeah, and, right. and, but then again, you talk to the guys, I can make a phone call to Ben Flegel, the president of the international or, or Bart or Aaron. And they're like, no, dude, you're doing the right thing. You know, keep, keep that push, keep that passion. You know, passion and compassion. Here we go again, right? Yeah. That's important. And there are going to be lulls in that. And there is it just is being able to pick yourself up from that and keep on the path because because we are, right? you know, National Fire Radio alone, buddy, the, the, the amount of people it reaches and the hopeful impact that we're making on people uh, younger than you and me in the service, right? And, and our future of the fire service. And and that's huge. Um, it's a, and I think that's the biggest takeaway for me. Yeah, it, it's it's super important, right? Like I, you know, there's with all the hustle we put into this and what we're building, and then it's like every once in a while I have a down day where I'm like, man, is it worth it? Like we, like you know, all this, all this, these sleepless nights, these marathon days of doing, you know, content and all this stuff, right? Is it making an impact? Is it making a difference, right? Does it really matter? And then I'll get a message. I'll get an email. I'll get a direct message. And then next thing you know, there's another one and another one. And and it's like they always they always pop up right when I think you need them, you know? And I, I think that's... 100%. Yeah, and that's what's cool about it, man. Like, you don't know... 
I think you even said like you don't know what your future holds and and like but fate's funny that way and it's like right when you need a pick me up it kind of comes in in some form and I think that's what's really cool about it but you can better your chances when you surround yourself with people that believe in the same type of things that you do when when you surround yourself with like-minded people you give yourself a better chance of survival and happiness yeah. all of it yeah definitely cool. I love it. Talk to me about training and how passionate you are. I mean, the fools certainly parallel that mission. You guys promote training. You're a 501c3, a lot of charitable organizations. You guys support, try to support, um, and so on. And you promote that through a lot of training events. And then the chapters also hold a lot of training events. Uh, a good friend of both of ours, Rusty Ricker up in Maine, New England fools. He's a very, very busy fools chapter and he's doing incredible work up there in the mission of the fools. And that should be recognized. And, and a lot of it is done through training because if we better ourselves, we better the job. Right? So talk to me about training. I know you're super passionate about it. You and I met uh, Rob and myself were down in Louisiana uh, training at the Bayou, right? I believe it was, yeah. or burning, yep. burning in the Bayou, burning in the Bayou. And yeah, it was you, actually a hospital. Yeah, it was that uh, Mr. Rouse owned Rouse's Food Markets. If if anybody knows for the South, uh, he had bought that property, and this was a two story hospital, buddy. That we got to do live fire. Oh training yeah, in. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great. It was uh, great. Chris Gordon and I. He was a North Charleston fireman. Uh, he and I were teaching that. A VES class and right. had the ability to get Rob to come in with me and and Rob and I wound up getting belly uh, bellies on the floor. I love had it. Some fire rolling over top of us. Yep. And, uh, he and I kind of had a giggle after the fact that he's like, you know, that that was awesome. Yeah. And and that's kind of where I think we the three of us had a chance to meet and kind of get to know each other. And, we did. But again, great training, Jeremy. You know, it's just organizations like those guys down there at the Bayou. They they love the training. They love to learn. They love to to do the stuff and. And one of the original um, Burn in the Bayou events was a school that we had the opportunity to do the same thing in. And that was one of the last big training event weekends that I got to do with EJ. Oh, okay. Um, wow. And again, another amazing, amazing training opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, so, so again, I think the training component of is, is not only for training other people, but learning myself, right? Um, again, that commitment for me to go back to school is uh, there's a lot I don't know. You know, but and I think it's important for those people who have shared information and experience and knowledge with me that it's important for me to share that with others as well. Yeah. Yeah. And for um, you to recognize that, because I did you always recognize that? I didn't. You no, know what I mean? No, I don't think I did. Yeah. I think it's just some of those events that change for us in the fire service that kind of may open your eyes and make you realize that, you know, I think we have the ability to influence and a positive influence on the future of the fire service. Yeah. Um, for me, the hard thing is, is, and I don't know that we teach or train very well leadership. Oh, I, I agree with you. Talk about that a little bit. What do you mean? So, and I'll tell you, I took a great class and it's called the L580 class. That's leadership is action. I did this, uh, the staff ride. And what that was, that was at Gettysburg battlefield. So I got to do a three day training on leadership through the eyes of the civil war battle of Gettysburg. Oh, that's unique. Okay. Wow. Yeah. A huge influence on me, right? So out of that, one of the instructors made a comment about, you know, starting a leadership book club. So I did that. I went back after this class and I started a leadership book club in Montgomery County um, and just going through different leadership books. But both fire service and military and the business world, there is so much leadership 
knowledge and experience that we could take out of all different industries yeah. to make it relevant to ours. Um, and that's important. You know, uh, we have a, we have a captain that's assigned to the, our training academy, Shelly Wheeler. She, uh, she just got her uh, doctorate in leadership. Um, again, and we have a, a battalion chief, uh, Raphael Gibson, who's assigned to the academy, huge into the leadership component and thing as well. So I think we're making strides in that direction. Uh, the right direction uh, is trying to trying to mold the leaders of tomorrow, at least within Montgomery County Fire Rescue. Yeah. Um, because, again, it's important. You know, people there's a debate, right? Are people born leaders? Maybe. Or, you know, I think they're more influenced through life experiences that create that leadership cap- capability. Um, and we have an obligation to provide them opportunity and tools. Right. Like born leaders or learned leaders. I don't care whichever side of the fence you're on. But even if you're a born leader, you still need the opportunity and the tools to perfect your leadership craft. And if you're if you're not born with it, we can still give you the opportunities and tools to at least be the best potential leader you could be. And and so that's super important. Yeah. And I think a good leader, Jeremy, is a is a teachable leader. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know. Um, and I think a big part of that, Bob, comes through maturity though. Because when I when I was thrusted into leadership positions in a younger age, I thought I knew it all and I had a big mouth. And I learned over time and time and experience humbled me to understand that I don't know it all and I need to learn more and I need to ask more questions and open up my ears and be willing to learn from others. And, you know, in fact, I'm a much different person at 40. I'll be 46 this weekend. I'm a much different person today at 46 years old than I was at 26. Sure. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of life experience does that, right? That's right. Both inside the firehouse and outside the fire. hundred percent. Kind of creates that and, and drives that. Um, and it's different, you know, and it takes a lot of, uh, a lot of commitment again, you know, it's easy to be an officer ish. Uh, It's easy to be a boss, but it's difficult to be a leader, right? Because sometimes leadership is lonely, buddy, you know, and and you and I could be, you know, you and I could be best friends today, but now tomorrow I'm your officer. Right. And, and there, there has to be that separation and understanding that, you know, Jeremy, I'm not being mean to you intentionally, but, but I'm your officer today. And, and we need to work to, together and understand that. We, we and, do need to do a better job, like you said, and I agree. And it's good to hear that Montgomery Fire and Rescue is doing it. Um, and I think we need to do much more of it. There's days that guys are firemen today and tomorrow they get promoted and they're thrusted into that front seat as a company officer all of a sudden and given zero tools, zero tools or education how to hack that position versus the backstep fireman. And and I think that we don't do a good enough job in educating and promoting our own to go up the ladder. And I think that's where a lot of the disconnect and animosity can come from is because we are letting our people down when it comes to putting them into those positions. Sure. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's exciting to hear though, that you guys recognize that and that you're, you're, you know, influencing that through a leadership book club, which I think is great. I'm not the biggest reader in the world. I do. I listen, I consider reading my, the podcasts and the, the, the books that I do on audio. It's just how I learn better. I'm not, I, I don't have the time to sit and read. 
um, and so on. I should make more time for it. And I know everybody talks about the importance of reading and how it makes you a better leader and a better individual, more educated. I wish I had the patience to read. I just don't. But I want to tell anybody listening that even if you're not a big reader like me, there's still ways to learn through reading, and it might just be an, on an audio platform. So yeah. there's, there's all those tools out there available to you now more than ever, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Audio books, buddy. Again, you know, eight hour drive from, yep. you know, coming down here. Audio books are an awesome opportunity, right? Yeah, huge. Same thing. You, you get a chance to listen to that while you're driving down the road. I don't I don't advise you reading a book while you're <laughs> driving down the road, but, you know, or the podcast on leadership I and, agree. And, and stuff like that. Right. There's so much out there that that, that really gives us an opportunity uh, to be successful. Uh, you just got to put a little bit of effort and energy into doing it and, and reap the benefits from it down the road. I couldn't agree anymore. I, I, I truly, truly believe in that wholeheartedly. And I've done more of that now than I've ever done in my life. And it came through the the understanding and maturity that I had to get over life. Like, yeah. you know, uh, through experience uh, makes you different. And, uh, you know, I'm a totally different person I was than five years ago, let alone 10 and 20 years ago. So for sure. So Bob, what's next for you, man? We're approaching like the hour mark on the podcast. Believe it or not, it goes that quick. Um, It does go quick. Oh, it does, man. And I know you want, we're going to talk like, we're going to talk shop. We're going to talk about technical rescues. We're going to, we're going to dive all into this stuff. And instead, uh, we, we hit on a lot of other things, but I will tell you the last hour conversation has been fantastic. I, there's so much here. Um, what's next for you? What's going well, on? What do you have cooking? So there, there's some good training coming up. Uh, people interested in getting out there doing training because we've been talking about it. The lift conference in Louisiana. Okay. Um, that's coming up in a couple months. And then right behind that, I'll be home for a couple of days and we're heading uh, down to Joey DiBernardo down in Texas. Yes. Um, so I'll be down with those guys again. So, um, I went up to long Island with them and had a blast and, and, and was very, very humbled, uh, to have the opportunity to be given a platform. Uh, through on scene yeah, uh, to teach during that. Because, uh, again, Joey. Joey was a huge proponent advocate for educating and training and sure. teaching in the fire service. Um, so, it's, so it's people like Joey that, that you know, kind of, again, puts us on that platform. And, and Jeff Cool, we talked about Jeff, you and I, before we got going sure. on this. Jeff does a lot still to this day, um, not only in memory of Joey, but, but also the fire service. And uh, he gets out there and, and they promote a word, uh, about the bailout systems and, and training and educating in that, which is huge. Um, on scene, we got the uh, the go. We're going to go back for another train-to-trainer. We'll be up at Sterling Rope in Maine. Oh, cool. Um, and, and their train-to-trainer component, because we do a bit of uh, that stuff uh, for them and their ballot bailout systems. So I got a bunch of training coming up, you know. But the good awesome. thing is, and a lot of it, honestly, is my guys and gals on the shift. You know, I, I've got I've got eight eight great people on the shift. I think we've built a real good shift, and I think we're We've become tight knit and uh, which is huge um, and it's important, but I think it's the things that we do together and working together and the understanding and they know where I stand and I know where they stand that gives me the ability to say that. Right. You know, I've, I've been off the last two shifts and, and I trust my guys implicitly that know guys and gals, I apologize <laughs> to know that, that they're going to do the right thing even when I'm not there, you know, yep. for that detailed in officer who doesn't know the area, who doesn't, you know, uh, so I like that, and I'm very thankful and appreciative uh, for them and, and then what they bring to the, the firehouse every day we work together and, and outside. You know, the fact that we can talk together outside 
And we don't have to talk about shop outside of work, you know, well, unless it. we choose to. Well, listen, when you buy into your people and you know who your people are, you have a lot more in common with them because it's more than just the job. So buy, yeah. into, buy into your people, find out who they are, find out what they're into, and find commonality outside of the firehouse, and you'll, you'll go far with your crews for sure. Definitely. Yeah. I love that. Bob, thanks so much, man, for joining me today. This was a lot of fun because I really haven't had the opportunity to really get to know you. And um, I think today was a great conversation. I'm looking forward to continuing next time I see you. Um, but uh, I appreciate you for joining me. If people are interested in uh, The Fools, how do they get a hold of you or The Fools to discuss that further? Because I think it's important to push forward the mission of The Fools. Sure. So uh, www.foolsinternational.com. Um, is the is our uh, website, and then we have we're all on all the social media platforms. You, know, you yeah. can find us on Facebook and and Instagram and stuff like that. Uh, in all reality, if they want to hit me up, it's uh, Robert um, or Vice President. Sorry, Vice President Foolsinternational dot com. Cool. Um, hit me up, ask questions, uh, and, and if I don't have an answer, I, I, I promise you, I will put in the effort and energy to get you a response and an answer. That's awesome. Um, well, Bob, yeah. thank you very much for your time today. It was an absolute honor to have you on and uh, just to catch up a little bit. And uh, truly a great episode with a lot of good nuggets in here, man. And well, uh, I appreciate you spending some time with me today. Well, thank you. I appreciate you uh, having me on. It was a good opportunity. Yeah, good, man. Hang right here. I'm just going to sign off, but I don't want you to hang up. So hang on right there, and then I'll get right back to you, okay? Sounds good. Awesome. Everyone, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the National Fire Radio Podcast. Bob Foss, 32 years in the fire service, Montgomery County, Maryland, currently serving as a captain, brings a lot to the table. What a great conversation it was today. We'll put his links in the uh, in the narrative on the podcast. We appreciate you tuning in. And do me a favor, take this conversation, take it back to the firehouse and talk about it, because when we talk about the job, we're making the job better. Email us, podcast at nationalfireradio.com. We want to hear your thoughts and ideas or critiques of our podcast. We'd love to hear what's going on, current events, and so on, and we'll bring it to the podcast. So thanks for tuning in. We'll see you at the next one. Jeremy, National Fire Radio.